Welcome to The Reserve, a news and thoughts podcast from The Centralverse. I'm your host, Caleb Nygaard, and today is episode number 37. Uh, Stephen Kelly is back. Uh, welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Caleb. This has been one heck of a week uh, in the central verse, and we had kind of set this episode on the agenda uh, maybe two weeks ago, and since then, the agenda we originally were going to talk about has just completely gone off the rails, and we don't even remember what we were originally going to talk about because the last couple of days have been so crazy. So let's just go, let's just jump uh, right into it. Um, and, I, and I'm going to start uh, with a with with to make you put you on the spot. Um, was Nick's article on Monday a leak? Yes or no? <laughs> uh, define leak. I mean, uh, exactly, exactly. Okay, just just gut reaction. Just kind of unload on me, and we'll just we'll just go back and forth. We both uh, have tons yeah. of thoughts on this. Yeah. So I, I guess I, I I would say two things. Uh, one is like, it's the, the fed didn't totally box itself in the, the so pre, oh, right. prior to the blackout, it, it did sort of leave this option in of, Oh, you know, we, we will be nimble. We will react to the data. Um, so that's all well and good. Um, and then, so then we get the bad inflation data on the last Friday Yep. And a lot of and some market repricing happens then and sort of no articles get written outside of, okay, there's been bad inflation data. Right. Fine. Then Monday, this article gets written. And like I said, it, it wasn't impossible that this article could be written based on what the Fed had already said. Nick is a very close reader, a very close, you know, he's very good about, about the timing of what the Fed is saying um, and, and what, what, uh, exactly options they've, they've put on the table. Yeah. But the other thing is like, you know, the article cites Jeffries and uh, Barclays yep. as having like considered 75 basis points. That does not really an article make from Nick Timrose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. You know, that's the other thing is like the bank, the, the bigger banks are following him on this. So Nick yeah. writes the article and then, and then JP Morgan goes to oh, 75 man. Goldman yeah. goes to 75, like Barclays and Jeffries saying, so banks say crazy shit all the time. Right. I mean, like so yeah. they're, they're like, Oh yeah, but you know, fed funds is going to be at 5% in three months. Like they'll yeah. just say, like some bank yeah. is always saying something. Yeah. Um, so the fact that the article got written, and that that was kind of the genesis of like, oh, we had inflation last week. And then these two banks at 75 seems a little flimsy, which sort of lends itself to the idea that maybe there was, you know, something they had more of the pulse than than is being let on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's where I have I have come around to that the. Because I, you know, and I actually went through, I was, and I was talking to a couple of people about this. And because I was talking to them, I wanted to like write down some of those articles, like how the, the language, the language went to. And, and it was all very, you know, it was also, it was all such vague, could have been written regardless, you know, well, they'll probably consider, they're likely to consider, you know, they, they, they could respond, they may opt to consider. It's like, it was just so so vague and there was all the you know the inflation the only piece that was added was like you said was the tying it specifically to the the 75 
considering 75, but it's almost like if you had asked any of us on Sunday night or Monday morning before that article came out, having spent the last couple of days digesting the, the you know, the truly, you know, shocking uh, inflation report, you know, even uh, the, the white, the, the Council of Economic Advisors, you know, they have these, these long threads that, that, basically Ernie is 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 writing and then and then and then putting up and, and even there they were you know you could feel the kind of depression in in those about the about these readings and so to think and then knowing that the Fed plays tries to play so hard into the every meeting is a live meeting it's hard to imagine if you had asked any of us on Sunday night you know is the Fed going to be considering you know, having to do something different than they, mm-hmm. than they were, I think all of us would have said yes. And so when I read that article on Monday, it just kind of was like, well, duh, uh, you know, like, of course they're going to be considering something like they got a really bad, like everyone agrees was just a bad, was just a bad reading. And then my initial view was that then it just became this psychological contagion, just like a bank run. We're like everybody piles in and Peter Conti Brown's view that he wrote about on Twitter was that, was that this can be an actual, like, this can be a strategy, almost like a yelling. And this is now I'm talking on my own, not saying what Peter said, but it can almost be a strategy like yelling fire at a movie theater. If you want to get people to react, you want the, the the firemen to come to the theater you can just yell fire and they'll come even whether there's a fire or not and you know and, and peter referenced the the bullet this being kind of the bullard approach of you know just saying weird weird stuff and then putting it out in the ether and then it's like well it has to be then considered because it's it's out there and then it's like then bullard can go backwards and say look markets are talking about it like, well yeah markets are talking about it because you yelled it right so it's like a short seller yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that was my original take. Like I it just didn't seem like it was there. Now, like you said, I think what what you're saying is is actually closer to where I've landed. And and it's also just because like you said, it's kind of that the existence of the article from someone like Nick implies it. I'm still confused by the motives. So, I mean, feel free to respond to any of that, but I also want to talk about like what could, you know, are the Fed's motives uh you know, strong enough that, or what are the, what would be the Fed's motives? What would Powell's motives be for, for making that phone call or having Michelle or somebody call up, you know, Nick. And even if it was as casual as just saying, Hey, just a reminder, you know, on background, this is uh, you know, every meeting's a live meeting and, you know, we're going to, the report was bad. You know, we just, we consider everything. Like, even if it was, is that, uh, you know, docile or that like innocent, I still don't get what the Fed's incentives are for that, but I don't know. Walk me through, you know, what are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I I basically agree with everything you just said, uh, you know, which maybe doesn't make for an interesting podcast (laughs) that you and I agree on basically everything, but uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, like the, the bit about it being vague is probably like, because even if let's say, let's say Jay Powell just, just, called nick directly and said you know it was like a frost nixon like midnight (laughs) phone call you know like let's say that was even the case he probably still only said hey it's possible that we will consider to maybe increase you know so that's probably all that could be written 
Yeah. Um, there's a weird question then that follows from this, and and maybe you have some insight on this. Is that the follow-up reports from the other from yes. the other publications were also the same? And so then there's the question of were they leaning on the fact the Wall Street Journal wrote it? And if they were, then that's the question of did they trust that the Wall Street Journal got a leak based on the fact that it was written? Or did they did they similarly get new information? Yeah. Uh, you know, then they got the next phone call that said, hey, we're thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, because it wasn't just, hey, markets are moving because of the Wall Street Journal. It was Fed is likely to consider 75 basis points. Yeah. And Victoria yesterday uh, from Politico tweeted this, and she I think she even counted them. She's like, there were six, six, six yeah. institutions that you know, that, that, that we're calling this. And so if you, and, and so there again, you know, I, I think that the, the, the narrative is that kind of the understood narrative is that these institutions did reach out to the Fed and they, you know, I, I believe that they wrote those kind of things. Have, I, I do believe that they got something from the Fed. I believe that those follow-up institutions weren't just basing it purely on the, on the Wall Street Journal. I do believe that they they did get something from the Fed, but like I said, I'm not not conspiratorial, but maybe a little bit conspiratorial. It totally could be that like the Fed is just seeing all of this, right? The Fed reads, you know, Michelle and, and Jay Powell read this article from from Nick, and then they get, you know, and then within an hour, within a couple of hours, they're getting calls from, you know, all eighteen of the of the press corps, and the Fed press corps is actually, I think, they've got a pretty good relationship and so they're just saying you know mm -hmm. like hey can you confirm this and i could completely imagine that the fed whether or not like independent of whether or not the fed gave anything first to nick i could completely see the fed just telling all of these institutions well yeah you know yeah of course we're considering certified. we're considering 100 we're considering 20 yeah, right, right. like you know it's a live meeting so yeah we're so considering guys, ending the fed yeah right <laughs> exactly we're, we're considering it so i think i mean i just don't see that like that follow-up at those follow-ups as confirming or denying adding any evidence in either direction for whether or not the initiative was like started from the fed on uh yeah yeah and and to go back to your earlier question of of why the fed uh, might yeah, do yeah. this that's another question especially given that you know i i i think it's it's that's totally that's likely right that the fed then did like somehow confirm with all these publications yeah. so then you get a market repricing to a hundred percent chance of 75 basis points <laughs> yeah. on in an afternoon yeah. on monday i mean what the hell is the difference between yep. that and and just letting it happen on wednesday and and uh robert armstrong at the ft made this point too of like maybe there's a political difference between like technically the market is doing it and the wall street journal is doing it versus like oh the fed surprised everybody and upset markets mm -hmm. um but that's kind of where we're landing anyways, right? I mean, yeah. what's the difference between Monday and Wednesday? Yeah. Uh, well, and, and I, I think, don't know, especially, and, especially because this is also delicate. It's not just, it's not just about the Fed surprising two days earlier or whatever. It's also like, oh, it was blackout period. And how did, you know, what was the process of this? And I know we're going to talk about the press conference in a minute, but that, you know, it kind of comes up there a little bit too. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely does. And, and, uh, uh, so, so let's talk, let's, so let's just, let's talk about the blackout. Let's just talk about the blackout period and, uh, everyone listening knows what it is, but, um, you know, there, 
the idea is just that like, you know, this is the time when the staff and everybody is making all of the finally, they're prepping the documents. It's not like, you know, I think naively, I used to think probably when I was just getting into this, that, you know, the, that it's like a normal meeting, like you have a meeting and then it's like, all right, everybody comes to the meeting. It's like, all right, what are we going to do? And then they just like decide what they're going to do at that meeting. But that's obviously not the case. I mean, especially since, I mean, a couple of points on that one, now that transcripts are published at, with that five-year lag, the, and, and based on, you know, everything I've read about people that were in before those that happened and then after, you know, reserve bank presidents and the governors, it's not like a, a back and forth, like you and I are having, like they come with like written statements that they read. There is some back and forth, um, but it's much more prepared than it, than we think, even the statement, right? Like they get these, they get these three options and then they're deciding with that. And then they're tweaking the language in the statement, but it comes all, um, all there. And so, you know, they're, they're going, so, so that's kind of part of the reason that they're not supposed to be talking is because all of this stuff is happening, but what, you know, is that, is that valuable? Is that, is that not valuable? Is it legal? Is it, is it just an internal policy? Um, and then I think so, and, and here, just to give a specific, to talk about a specific point, one of the, one of the concerns that I originally had about this was almost like a democratic accountability um, kind of concern with, you know, was this just, and this is similar to like Bullard, was Jay Powell basically pulling a Bullard? Now, Bullard can do it a little bit, but Jay Powell can do it for real, right? Like, like Jay Powell can, if Jay Powell had done this on his own, then he could absolutely make that happen. Whereas Bullard, everybody just kind of chuckles a little bit. It, it works to a certain degree, but, but, you know, Jay Powell pulling that move is significantly mm -hmm. different. Um, uh, and so my concern was like, if he just did it, uh, then that, that certainly gives me great concern. Um, but I think, you know, over a couple of days, you know, it seems like the narrative, and I don't know what this is being based on, except for just people's belief in who Powell is as like a, as like a person. I don't think I haven't seen anything beyond that, but everybody seems to be coming to the point that like, if in fact Powell did do it, uh, and it seemed to have come from you know the very top, uh, then he did it after having spoken with with everybody. I don't know if that's based on anything concrete. I don't think it can be based on anything concrete. Um, but if that's the case, then I guess my whole you know is it undemocratic concern goes away because the committee could have a meeting whenever they want, and they sometimes do have emergency meetings. Um, it seems yeah, like yeah. And, uh, he, he probably yeah. called everybody individually, even. Right. I mean, because you can't even you can't get the governors Correct. together without Correct. recording it. So he probably called everybody individually. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was my sense too, is that it wasn't so much a Bullard like going off the handle as much as like Paul. You know, I mean, that's how, like you said, that they, these meetings are kind of stage managed, anyways. And I'm sure that's you know, the, Paul doesn't, and Paul's good about not. He's not a Greenspan type where he's Correct. like, here's what I think. And that's what's going to be. He's very much yeah. like, well, it's the decision of the committee. And yeah. um, so I, I do think he he probably checked with the others, especially because this blackout, this blackout period thing is not statutory. It, right. it really is like as part of our desire to, you know, be transparent and to not give private advantage and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, so it. it if he felt like he was fitting it within those guidelines, within the spirit of the, those guidelines, you know, he maybe would have felt more comfortable 
violating the blackout period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's probably a good segue into the fact that he was asked about it yesterday. But before that, I want to say one thing about the blackout period, which is that, so it's the previous, it's the Saturday before, starts the Saturday before the end of the meeting and goes through, is it one day after the meeting? Yeah, it goes through Thursday. Yeah, it yeah, goes okay. through the one day after the meeting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, So that's like, uh, what is that, 10 days, 11 days? Yep. And there, there's a Fed meeting every six weeks. Yeah, yeah. And so that's 42 days. Yep. So at least 25% of the days are in a blackout period. Right. Like, that is an absurd amount when it comes, that's, a, that's, that's when it comes to markets, I mean, yeah. you're talking about 91, 92 days, or yeah, 92 days yeah. a year. Yeah, yeah. That yep. the Fed can't talk, that the Fed can't adjust. That is, that to me seems absolutely absurd. And of course, you're going to run into situations like this, especially yeah. when things are delicate. Yeah, 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 no, completely agree. And and there's all sorts of suggestions of like, you know, uh, is there, you know, are they going to have add a meeting in August? And there's, there's a lot more, there's a sense of like that this, this, uh, you know, eight meetings a year schedule with this blackout period around it is somehow, you know, optimal in like a divine sense. <laughs> and, and there's, uh, there's, there's, there's nothing like that. It like, like all institutes, it's just, it's like a momentum kind of thing. And it is the way it is until it's not, but then we quickly just adjust and think that this is how it's, it's always been. So I will be curious. There's a, there's a, a Humphrey Hawkins meeting, uh, or, um, appearance for Powell next week I'm pretty sure or if it's not next week then it's a week after that and uh I hope that this is I hope that this is a part of it is he just gets some question in general about the blackout period but yeah so so I mean uh, well yeah. quick quick on that yeah. are you are you nervous at all that this is gonna get get sort of blown up in Congress I think this absolutely is this is absolutely on you know Toomey has made no uh he's not been shy about his concerns about you know fed transparency and stuff so I absolutely would add this um you know speaking just for myself uh and having seen what he's he's doing you know uh from what he's doing publicly this is absolutely on his radar and, and and kind of this situation falls into the camp into the like evidence box of Toomey's concerns with how the institution is like run um, in appearance. And I actually like my opinion of that is that is that I think that and this is so we can bring up Howard uh, Schneider from Reuters. Am I getting that? Yeah. Yeah. From Reuters. So let's talk about this real quick and then I'll bring it back to the to the hearing. So so Howard gets the very first question. And like I had been thinking about this and, you know, people ask on Twitter and stuff like, you know, recommend questions. And this is the one that I kept remembering, like ask him about the blackout, ask him about the blackout. And Howard, just very first person, very first question, just goes right for it. I mean, it was just awesome, right? Like, yeah, I, I, they were probably clamoring for the first to get the first question yesterday. Oh, I can only imagine. And so he gets it, and and Powell it starts actually going like he actually gives a more like transparent slash a more interesting question at the beginning than I answer than I think I expected. You know, he's mm-hmm. talking about. You know, he's like, I, I have only had one or two times in my 10 years plus at the at the Fed where we've gotten such dramatic news dur- that would change like our direction during the, you know, the end of the blackout period. Um, and so he's like, I don't think it's common. But then he just like stopped talking. 
And Howard goes to make a follow-up and this is on the tape. You can see it. You can see Howard like opens his mouth. He had already given his mic back, but he, but that's what they do. And they always get like these two questions in the, in the conference. But, but he goes to open his mouth to ask again. And it's just to me like, okay, Gina from the times. And, and then, and then Howard doesn't push too far back and nobody else followed up. Nobody else, you know, asked Howard's follow-up question for him in, in, in the press conference. And so I think that Powell should be forced to answer that question, right? Like I think mm-hmm. Congress should make him answer that question. I would be fine if Powell's response is, hey, this is our policy that we think is best for making monetary policy. Like we think that in general, most of the time, having this non-talking period before and then a little bit after the meeting is a good idea. Um, but it's also our committee and like, we're gonna, we're gonna make decisions on how to run it if we're not. Like I could totally see that that being his answer, which isn't like super satisfying in either the, the you know, how will you do it going forward or, or in like the tabloidy kind of gossipy that I wanna mm-hmm. know too. Like it wouldn't be satisfying, but I think he should have to say that. Like I mm-hmm. think he should have to say if that's what the policy or the Fed is gonna be. No, I, I agree. And I think that's probably the reality of it. Like we've kind of circled so far is like, it's it's not so sinister that they, they looked at the blackout policy. They said, look, there's like, this is not statute. And there's like, there's, there's a spirit. If you read the blackout policy, you know, it, it, it has a certain spirit of like, yep. this is what we think makes for the best, like the most clear monetary policy, the like whatever, yeah. the most fairness, whatever. Yep. And so if they, if, if Powell really did it in a democratic way, you know, he calls everybody, makes sure, hey, is it all right? Then I, I think that's probably fine. But I think you're right that he should have to say that. Yeah. And and that that part should be clear. Um, that yeah. that sorry, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I'm I'm sorry I'm, I'm of the two minds. I have two competing, and and this is central banking in a nutshell here. But there are these two competing ideas of like I think those like government in the sunshine laws about you know which is why like. You know, there's the joke that uh, that, that three go- three or four the, the governors can't eat lunch together because yeah, they right. qualify as a meeting if if there are a certain number of them. And I think those are those are genuinely bad. Like I think those like net net negative in the way their their contributions to, to to making policy. And so, you know, the the whole thing of like yeah, like you said, like Powell if he if he met with FOMC members, he did it one by one so mm-hmm. that they were just conversations and, and that they weren't meetings. That also seems really dumb. Like that's, that's not, that's not the right way to, to be making. Um, yeah. And, and to be fair, maybe he called, maybe he called all the regional banks at once. Yeah. Cause you can call the regional, you can call, right. it's just the governors. That, it's just the governors. That's, 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 that's it. That's it. No, that's a good point. So I think so. So like, I think those laws are, are bad. Like in general, I think those are bad. Like if you get the committee, if a committee can make, they should be able to get together and make, and make decisions without having to worry, you know? So I, I don't know if we need to just like extend the, um the the horizon on you know define what a meeting you know change the definition of what a meeting is and then extend the period of of when you know minutes or transcripts of of a whatever your definition of meeting is gets published i think those those need to change so that's on on one in one half of my brain the other half of my brain is that like you know we don't want uh we don't want the to go back to a time of greenspan Right. Like that, that, you know, you know, the, 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 the Fed chair is often called the second most powerful person in the world because they don't have the nuclear button 
that the U.S. president does. And that's the only reason they're not the number one most, you know, the most powerful person in the world. And so like, there is a sense of like, and no, I'm not a Paul Tucker. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that far near. I'm not nearly that far as like being worried about that kind of stuff, but it's still there. And there still needs to be, you know, there needs to be democratic accountability, even for the best interest of the institution going forward. And so there are these two things just seems like the current situation we have. And the blackout period seems like a good example of that tension. And t this week is when it kind of like broke down. Yeah, and, and I wonder if the blackout period is also why, and I don't know if this matters, and I'd be interested to hear what you think, if you think this matters or not. The, the, the bit like, okay, let's say they've accepted, okay, we need to communicate something. We need to sort of violate the general protocol for the blackout because we feel like we can and we feel like we yeah. need to. So is it problematic that the way that they chose to go about it is yeah. Powell goes, goes to Nick, the guy yeah. who is biographer effectively yeah. Yeah. and yep. says, yep. and says, Oh, here's what we're going to do. As opposed to, you know, if this was three weeks ago, they could have scheduled a, a random speech for somebody at a university and, you know, yeah. they could have done it that way. Is it problematic that, you know, like one, I wonder if the, if it's because it was the blackout that that's the way they chose to go about it, right? As opposed to like, why can't they just do a press release? If they've already decided we're going to make an exception, realistically, they should have known that, that they were going to get asked about this. Oh, like totally. at that point, why not do a press release? Why not, why not send, you know, Brainerd to CNBC or something? Um, yeah. You know, something a little more public, a little less, a little less like Cloak and dagger. I don't know yeah 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 yeah. I, I completely agree and these these so I think these are smart people you know I think the fed comms people are pretty smart people I think Powell and they, like I think they are thinking a couple of steps they are thinking a couple of steps ahead this is why I still kind of have this like little belief that it wasn't actually a leak at all and they just mm -hmm. dealt with it as it happened but setting that aside um assuming that they did I I do think it yeah I think that was problematic um, you know, and that and that the Wall Street Journal gets picked out over over everybody else. Um, I do think that's that is uh, that is problematic. Um, although, and, and and you and I are 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 really lucky in that we've gotten to talk with you know a, a lot of the 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 Fed beat reporters and 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 build relationships with them, and they're all really awesome. And so I do have a sense that um, you know you could take this view that like. Chair Powell talking to Nick about this, if that happened, that is inappropriate. You could take that view and then go and then take it farther into either like a policy or like a best practices that says, you know, the Fed shouldn't be doing off the record stuff, especially with just one-on-one -on -one journalists. And I am sympathetic to that. Um, but I'm also understand that like, you know, a big part of the central, like the, a huge tool in the central banking bankers toolkit is the press itself. And so like mm -hmm. they need the press to be credible. And so they need the press to know where they're coming from. And sometimes the like optimal way to do that is in a kind of off the record, deep background, like kind of situation. And so I do think it's uncomfortable that this is the way they did it. And in this case, I, I, I think it was if that this if they actually did it, if they did do this leak specifically to Nick, 
I do think that that kind of crosses that line. Um, but I don't think that there are no situations where the Fed talking to reporters, it's probably better to do it in groups. I don't know if that's one of the one of the little sign, you know, symbols, but yeah, yeah, it's certainly advantageous that there is sort of this, like, uh, you know, I do you a favor type of type of yeah. like, I think that serves the Fed to a certain degree as well, like, that they have that they have those individual relationships with different reporters, I think is fine. Um, and that they because that that's an important, important asset for a central banker to just have build some trust with mm-hmm. individual reporters on the beat as opposed to the to the beat as a whole sure. you know i think that's okay like I, i'm i'm empathetic to that but that and even like even off the record like scoops and stuff is different than hey we're gonna move 75 basis points yeah, on wednesday agreed. like yeah. monetary policy in a specific rate announcement yeah is very different than yeah. like oh hey we're considering a uh, facility to do you know like we're considering the repo like it's just cbdc different. stuff or yeah yeah right yeah. exactly yeah yeah no i agree particularly because it's yeah there's there's that insider trading like that's kind of part of what's underlying all of this and the journal obviously has very high ethics standards and things but do you want to put that on somebody? And as and as Peter brought up, <clears throat> it actually puts Nick in a rather uncomfortable position. And it can it can be, or you know, this individual reporter, because it can put them in the uncomfortable position of being an unofficial mouthpiece, right? Which is also not, which is also like kind of their job, right? But it's yeah. but it's supposed to be in a it's supposed to be, it's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. And, and I think you would agree that I don't think Nick would ever write something where you felt like, Oh, this is just served by master J Paul. Like he, he, you know, this was a scoop and he, you know, he was well within his purpose, but, but yes, it is uncomfortable that like he becomes sort of like the, the press secretary a little bit like, right. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a, that's a tough balance that the fed has to be has to be has to be balancing okay um i i will say i thought you know i just wanted to add in on this on this conversation one other thing about the 75 base point which was which was george's descent and i bring this up mostly just to flag uh, derek tang oh shoot he's on the podcast really great guy over at um uh former governor's uh uh shop in in dc but he said his take which i thought was a good one i'll i'll make sure you didn't lose it because I think Derek's not followed as, as widely as he should be. But George's, I think the appropriate interpretation of her dissent was that it was a, it was a, it was a dissent against the order of operations in tightening and mm-hmm. that George has had these views about, you know, basically she thinks it should be treasury should be, you know, we should be downsizing our treasury purchases or our, uh, our, our treasury holdings and then our, our, even our mortgage backed security holdings. Mm-hmm. And then we can focus on the fed funds rate. So it was a, uh, it was a take, and 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 the idea that um, shoot, what was his name? He was quoted in the in the journal. Oh, uh, John Turek. His was his overall take on this was that the Fed was trade. This was his quote: "They were trading guidance credibility for inflation fighting credibility." And my take of the George dissent was that she was against that trade off. That she would have taken. She you know felt that the the concern on credibility. So I guess in my final do you have any thought? Like, does this Powell saying 
things in the future, like we're most likely going to do, there's always going to be the caveat, right? Like he always has, he always says Mm -hmm. it and he brought it up in the press conference. He'll always continue to do that. But when he talked about like, you know, Hey, we're going to, you know, 50 basis points is, is for, is probably where we're going to go. I think he used the word probably, you know, going forward because of this, does that change at all? Or is that being kind of overblown? And this is just super obvious. Like I said, kind of about the Sunday conversation about what was going to happen at this meeting. Yeah, no, I think, I think the status quo is probably still the status quo. It's yeah. just like the, 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 the rate that is the status quo kind of has getting the, the, the sort of expectation rates kind of getting bumped up a little. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they'll, I don't know if they'll try to avoid this sort of Sunday type conversation thing. And it'd be interesting to see, like, obviously it would always be interesting to, you know, kind of get the transcripts of these unofficial yes. calls, but like what George, if, if, if Paul was calling around, you know, sort of what George was saying in those, you know, was it, I really don't want to do 75. Like, I really think we should do balance sheet more or, uh, you know, I don't like the way that we're, I, I don't like the, is it the credibility thing? Like, I don't like that we're all of a sudden shifting in the blackout period. Uh, you know, she's obviously got, she's obviously been very vocal on the balance sheet. So that, that strikes me as totally plausible, but sure. Um, it'll be interesting to hear more from her in the next few weeks as well. And maybe, you know, maybe she'll clarify regional fed folks aren't always willing to clarify, but sometimes they're just like, yep, that was my dot. Like, here's why, you know, right. And uh, all we got in the minutes or all we got in the, in the press release was, Oh, she preferred to move 50. We didn't, it didn't say and sell mortgage backed securities. Correct. Um, Correct. So it'd be interesting to see how much she gives us in the next few weeks. Yeah, no, I agree. And we'll be, we'll be watching that. And so I, yeah, I, and I, I think I agree that the, the, the credibility isn't, isn't lost as much as I think some people, some people feared that, that, or, or are talking about that it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, any, any other last final, final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, no, I, I think that's right on the credibility because the, the, the flip side of the credibility thing is, oh, the Fed has no credibility because they box themselves into a corner. Like they talk too much and now they have to do what they said and they can't respond to the reality. Um, and they just, they respond to the reality. I mean, how is that not credible to, to take in the economic information and respond as they saw appropriate? That to me is like the most credible thing you can possibly do. They could, they could do. Yeah. Cheers to that. I think that's probably what will come out. All right. Let's wrap it there. Uh, I'm at Caleb Nygaard on Twitter. Steven is at uh, Steven 49. Until next time. Thanks for listening.